It is Friday the 13th of September 2019. My name is Jeremy Medlin and welcome to episode 57 of the Stock Market Movers podcast. Just a quick reminder that nothing that I say today should be considered financial advice. And if you're looking for financial advice, I recommend that you speak to an authorised financial advisor. Um, something else before I kick off as well. I always forget to say it at the start of the episode and it's not to the end of the episode that I remember and I'm, I, I don't think many people listen to the to the exit of the episode. Um, but I, I do some blog posts from time to time. I did one recently on A2 Milk that you can read by going to www.stockmarketmovers.co.nz. So log on and, and have a look and think about what, 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 and let me know what you think pretty much. Um, all, all I've heard this week, just moving on, is how much of a disappointment the block TV show was. And it's it's ironic in a way because you could almost see it as a success, as a success because everyone is is talking about it, even though the contestants themselves didn't make much in the way of money. And I think that's what you want from a TV show if you're a producer is everyone talking about it. So maybe it's it's more of a success than what people actually let on. But they may find it harder to find contestants on the next one. A, f- a friend of mine, an, an FX trader, it's a foreign exchange trader, and you'll know who you are if you're listening to this, he said to me once, you know it's a property boom when all the top rating TV shows in New Zealand are about housing or housing makeovers. He didn't actually say the word boom, he actually used another word beginning with B, but I won't get into that. Um, you're, you're thinking, what does this have to do with stock investing? I thought this was a stock investing podcast. Well, You'd have no doubt seen that. I think only one of the contestants on the block made money. Why is that? It was obviously because the Auckland property market is not as buoyant as it once was. I mean, you can't say, maybe you can, but maybe you could argue, but you can't say that the contestants on this year's show were any less capable than on an aggregate than the ones on previous shows. But the, the, the people are amateur investors, and it shows how much difference the market makes in fortunes. So during a bull market in the past, virtually all of the contestants made money. It, it didn't seem too hard as an aside. That is one of the reasons why I think property investment should be taxed. It's and not, not because, you know, it's often not the skill of the participants that mean that people make money. It's just the, the market and the fact that they're lucky enough to be in New Zealand. But I'll, I'll stop there before the show gets too political. It does draw parallels to the stock market. Um, in a strong bull market, most investors, whether amateur or professional, will make money, probably good money. It is, it's not that hard. You, you buy into something that is hot and is making you highs, and the chances are that it'll make newer highs. That's what happens in strong bull markets. Whether we to separate from the chaff is, is how you perform in a tougher market. So it is is pretty tough not to make money in the bull market that we had in 2017, for example. But trust me, you'll be judged. Well, you might not be, not no one might judge you, but your your long term performance will be dictated by how you perform in the bear markets. And it's it's not necessarily making money during the bear markets, but maybe you're during the 20% decline in December, for example, your portfolio only declined by 10%. So if you think about the math, this will dictate long-term performance. And it is the same as if you're a property investor or developer in a big bull market. It probably all seemed very easy in 15, 2015, 2016, 2017, and participants probably felt like they were pretty smart. And it may be a different case now. I imagine that it's a lot harder to make money now in this market than what it was back then. 
And of course, in, in the property market, there's a good argument that you can just sit on your hands during these times and wait for a time when market conditions are more conducive or when you see a fantastic opportunity with a chart. But the chances are in the stock market is, you, you know, you're probably fully invested most of the time. So it's a, it's a bit different and, and the bear markets are harder to avoid. So you are, your, your performance, you know, it, it, it does, it, it is dictated by the bear markets to a large degree. One more thing before I get into the main body of the episode, and this is again maybe not directly related to the stock market and might be a bit semi-political and considering that's the way the episode started, I thought we might as well continue. Have a think about your local takeaway before your local takeaway owner even before ordering Uber Eats. Uber Eats, for those that do not know, is a relatively new service offered by Uber, relatively new in the last couple of years that is, which Uber for example trades in the United States under the ticker code Uber, so it's not hard to find, U-B-E-R. You would, you would have to say that Uber Eats is a, a pretty good product, all in all. It's, you know, you order from the app and food shows up at your door. It's an incredibly efficient system um, that even takes care of your payment and very easy to understand as well, so you know what you like in your products. Um, chances are, if, if you haven't used it, you've at least heard of it. You know, their, their minions are standing on virtually every street corner in Auckland giving out vouchers that's what it seems like anyway um have a think about your local you know have a think about your local takeaway owner because the local takeaway owner in New Zealand is charged 35% of their sales by Uber so that's 35 cents on the dollar this is on top of the fee that is charged to the user so when you lose 35% of your sales as a business it can become very difficult to make money now not in all cases and I'm sure Uber will point to examples where businesses have thrived under their system you know of course that happens as well but think think about the owner what the owner needs to do maybe they need to stick up their prices which makes move for food more expensive for you to to deal with that 35 percent the next thing to think about is what what happens to that 35 percent well at the parent level we were paid just 283 million dollars in income taxes in the 2018 financial year and that is out of 11.3 billion dollars in revenue so I think it would be reasonably safe to say that the bulk, if not all of that 35%, once once they've paid their, their drivers, so obviously a large amount of that goes to their drivers and their costs, is leaving New Zealand. Any, any, anything, any, the difference is leaving New Zealand, which it wasn't previously when... You know, when when you're previously ordering your food. Now, you might argue that the Uber app is causing more takeaway spending, which you know might be true to a certain degree. But I would say that in general, New Zealanders are only eating a little bit more takeaway than what they did three years ago before you hadn't really heard of Uber. So that thirty five percent is it's not been created. It's nothing new. It's just been displaced, and that's displaced from owners of of the small businesses that most likely already have a difficult enough job. So. You know, their, their rents have stayed the same, if, if not increased. The minimum wages are going up, so their staffing bills are higher, the food costs are higher, and they typically cannot suffer the 35% from Uber as well. So, you know, now I, I know that for these owners, there's little that you can do just to, you know, you can't really step in front of the tidal wave of technological change and stop it. And I believe that the takeaway owners will have to adjust or, or go out of business, and, and many of them are. But what I would suggest is that at least have a think about what you're doing before you order from Uber. Anyway, that, that rants over. So there is one company that we're going to talk about today, and it's one company that I've not spoken about since its IPO. That is Canasouth. They trade on the NZX under the ticker code CBD, 
or Central Business District as I like to call it. It, it listed and I sort of forgot about it until last weekend when we are standing over having a barbecue at a friend's place and someone mentioned it to me that they had bought it and it was, it was they were sitting in a good paper profit and then I, I checked the price and I saw that it had gone wild and I thought, yep, whoever's bought it is probably sitting in a good paper profit unless they'd bought in the last couple of days. So remember that it listed at around 40 cents per share and it, it first traded back in the middle of June. So Canada South, for those that do not know, and I'm reading directly off their About Us page on their website, is based in the Waikato heartland of New Zealand, where it is established high-tech laboratories, manufacturing research and cultivation facilities. Our goal is the development of next-generation cannabinoid, I have problems with that word, medicines that support patients' health outcomes and improve their quality of life. I'm not even going to try and say the next word, but phyto, well, well, phytocannabinoids are remarkable compounds able to interact with the human and animal internal ECS and by doing so are able to provide improved health and well-being outcomes for patients. So I'm no doctor, I'm no scientist, I, I, I can't read too much into that, but that's what they do. And out of all that, I guess the, the key sentence for investors is, established high-tech laboratories. This will tell you that they're definitely in the research and development phase, not the commercialised, got a profit, got a product, revenue and profit stage. Anyway, so the market is putting quite a high value on this research and development. And at one stage recently, the market valued the company at $88 million. So market cap, just as a reminder, is the share price multiplied by the number of shares outstanding. So since the IPO, the stock has, and it trades around 70 million now, just under as of Thursday. So since this IPO, the stock has traded as low as 28 cents per share and as high as 84 cents per share, with most of the action happening in the last month or so. The stocks were meandered alone and then just exploded into action. So since around July, what's what's been going on? Since around July, the company has had a pretty regular stream of announcements, and, and sometimes and I'm not saying this is in the the case with Canada South, but sometimes I find this to be a bit of a red flag. And it, it often seems like when a company's putting out a bunch of announcements that the management are trying to be promotional to promote the stock. Could be the case with Canada South, I'm not sure. So let's go through the announcement. July, the announcements, July 3rd, 2019, the company announced that it received funding from the Callaghan Innovation of around 350k for research. The funding is conditional upon Canada South spending up to 566k to match the project's funding. So for that one, for me, that is just an announcement that the company is a research company is going to be paying to do some research, which is what you'd expect. Where does that money come from? Obviously, it doesn't grow on trees. So if you're making no revenue and no profits, that money either comes from debt or it comes from shareholders. And I can't imagine banks lining up to give Canada South any money, so it's most likely that it's it's come from the IPO, so the funds that raised from the IPO. Next announcement, 8th of July 2019. Noted scientist David Gill joins Canada South to drive first products to market. So for this one, as a quick summary, they basically employed a scientist called David Gill. You can look him up on LinkedIn, make your own judgments about the word noted. Um, so they have employed someone. Again, this is what you'd expect from a research company. Again, his wage is coming from shareholders. So it just shows how early stage this company is considering that the company deemed it to be a price-sensitive announcement. So as, I, as I've said in the past, you know that's, that's not necessarily a, a, a bad thing. 10th of July, 2000, well, it's not necessarily a bad thing that 
you know they're employing people and things like that because you're, you're going to expect that this is this is what you'd expect an early stage research company to do 10th of july 2019 the ministry of health releases proposals for medicinal cannabis regulation regulations and then this wasn't really an announcement it was just a comment from the ceo that they welcomed it but they announced it anyway 8th of august 2019 can south submission for medical medicinal cannabis regulation so in this one, they talk about Canada's submissions to the government's proposals. Um, again, nothing really interesting here. It's, it's what you'd expect a medicinal research company. You'd, you'd expect them to have some comment on the proposals. Six days later, 14th of, 14th of August 2019, this is a price-sensitive announcement entitled, Canada South announces significant cultivation joint venture. Here we go. This one seems like something to seek our teeth into. They've entered into a long-term joint venture with Aaron Craig to construct and develop world-class cannabis cultivation facility in the Waikato area. So this seems important. It looks like that'll come at quite a cost, and I imagine it'll take them some kind, some uh, period of time to do. So I think that this is something that shareholders should make note of, check in on it for progress. Um, might be also worth finding out who Aaron Craig is. I would start with research in that. Moving on, 15th of August, the next day, Canada South harvests first crop of medical research cannabis. Yeah, boy, now they're growing the stuff. Nothing else you need to know. They've just said that they're, what you need to know is in the title. Um, they, 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 they're growing. So, you know, as you'd expect, growing, developing, hiring, spending money on research. So far, the announcements are what you sort of expect, even if they are thick and fast. 19th of August 2019, notification of issue of securities. The company issued new shares to Aaron Craig in exchange for cash in relation to the development of the cultivation facility. So they're taking cash from a shareholder to develop the facility and he gets some shares. Pretty straightforward. 27th of August, half-year report and financial results. If I was a shareholder, I'll, I'll skip right to the financial statements here. So as of 30th of June 2019, and you know, it's always interesting to see the first financial statements after an IPO. The company had $10.7 million in the bank. No real liabilities to speak of, although you, you do note that they racked up 316 k of trade and other payables. Basically, they're, they're paying to grow, whatever. Um, so in the six months, they, they burnt through $1.3 million, which is, is pretty good going. That is comprised of negative 630 k from operating activities and spending another 670 k on property, plants and equipment. So I'm ignoring the finance financing costs here of 830k for capital raising associated with the IPO, but at this rate they're spending about 200k per month, so they're getting through it. I imagine that will accelerate as they increase spending, and as, as suggested on some, you know that that goes by some of the initiatives from the announcement above. They're going to be spending more, you'd imagine, but at 200k a month they have about four years, assuming the spending rate doesn't increase, which I think it will. My bet is that they'll almost certainly come back to the market for more money at some stage, but let's let's put that aside. The question you need to ask yourself as an investor is, can the company take the 10 million that they have in the bank now and turn it into more than 70 million, which is around the current market cap at the moment? And if you think the answer is no, then Canada South is, a, is, is going to be a stupid investment for you over the long term. It doesn't mean that you can't make money over the short term if the price momentum takes over, but it won't work over the long term if the answer is no. And the next question is, is after how much cash will they produce, is how long will it take them, and, and finally what rate of return do I want, as in how much do I discount the, the cash to 
discount the stock from its cash flows to make a reasonable return. So if you don't think they're going to make more than $70 million in the future in, in free cash, then it's, it's insanity to, to buy it right now. So if you're buying right now for the long term, you think that they're going to do that. Moving on, next announcement, 6th of September 2019, registered shareholders passes 2000. This one shocked me quite a bit. I don't think I've ever seen an announcement like this. No, no doubt it's happened, but I'm surprised to see a company think it's worthy of an announcement to come out and say how many shareholders they have, but they did, so moving on. 10th of September 2019, the NZX launched a share price inquiry into Canada South. Basically what happens here is the NZX goes, why has your share price moved so much in such a short period of time? Is there something you have not told the market? Is there anything material? The company, of course, replied that there is nothing that they have not told the market. And you'd have to believe them there because they've certainly told them about every little thing they're doing. So why then has the stock moved so much so quickly? And the short and boring answer is because people are buying it, less people are selling it. And that's exactly what's happening. And at the end of the day, there's no real reason. The company even said in their half-year report that things are progressing as they expected. And the announcements that have come out are largely what one would expect for a company like this to be doing. So no real surprises for me. But there are two possible reasons for people to be buying. Actually, I would say three in this case. The first is that people might be figuring out that the company is what the company is worth. You know, it's, it takes sometimes a while to get your head around an IPO and everything like that. And the market is deciding it, it's worth a much higher price. And they'll either be proven right or wrong in time. The second reason, and I think this is a big one, is because the medical marijuana sector is hot at the moment. It's all people, it's, it's, it's taken up a lot of airwaves in the stock market, what's going to happen in, in this space, etc., etc., and a lot of people want a piece of that pie. And if you want a piece of that action, that, that's the only way you can express it on the NZX. And the third reason is is price momentum, which is a real thing in the market, you know, we, we typically talk about value investing on the podcast, but momentum is, is a real thing, and, and that is people are buying because the sucker is going up. So what do I think? I think it, it doesn't surprise me that there's been money to be made due to momentum. Um, I sort of suggested that back in the first time I talked about the stock. But what do I what do I think? I think it comes back to the question that if you're a long-term investor that I asked earlier, and, and I'll ask it again, is can the, can the company take the $10 million that they've raised from the shareholders and have in the bank now and turn it into more than the $70 million, which is the approximate market cap? If you think the answer is no, then Canada South is a silly investment for you over the long term. And it doesn't mean you can't make money over the short term, but you know, you don't want to be buying for as a long-term investment if you think the answer is no. Then you've got to think about how long will it take them to make that money. And finally, what rate of return do you want and how much you're going to have to discount the stock from its future cash flows to make a reasonable return. Right, so that's about all we have time for today. Um, a quick run over of, of Canis South. You know, there's going to be a lot of you that know a lot more about the company than what I do, especially those that actually own the stock. Um, so yeah, please do send me across what you think because I'll be interested to hear more about it. I think I might have to do a blog post about Canada South at some point in the future as well. But So thanks again for listening in. As a reminder that nothing that I said today should be considered financial advice. It's my opinions only. If you're wanting to find out more about the podcast, go to www.stockmarketmovers.co.nz or find it and give us a like on Facebook or Twitter. Share it also with your friends. We need to grow the podcast, so it's, it's great to have new listeners. If you want to email me, it is jeremy at stockmarketmovers.co.nz. Once again, my name is Jeremy Medlin, and this has been episode 57 of the Stock Market Movers podcast. 
for Friday the 13th of September 2019. We'll see you all again next week.